Hello and welcome to the Katie Alper Show. This episode is a live stream that I did with some great guests during and after the DNC night three. So on this episode, I'm joined by Malika Jabali and Ben Burgess. Malika Jabali is a writer, attorney, and activist. She's a columnist at The Guardian, and her writing also appears in places like Essence, Teen Vogue, and The Intercept. Ben Burgess is a philosophy instructor, Jacobin columnist, and host of the Give Them an Argument show. And they talked to me about, about the DNC so far. Specifically, we started out talking about Kamala Harris and her speech. And then we also get to questions of whom to vote for, how much that question matters, the difference between voting for Biden and voting for Trump. Also some on-the-ground organizing that Malika is doing. If you're listening to this on Thursday, you're in luck because you can catch the live stream DNC coverage that Matt Taibbi and I will be doing and not only will we be doing it doing it live on my YouTube we'll be playing his drinking game so go to my pinned tweet and you'll find the link to that YouTube please rate and review the Katie Halper show if you like the show and support the show at patreon.com slash the Katie Halper show again that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper show for as little as one dollar a month you're just supporting this show the five dollar a month level you get all of these great Patreon-only episodes, and for this week, that includes Jimmy Dore on spirituality and getting very mad at me. Also, the episode from last week was really great, and it's a chat with Liza Featherstone and Greg Goldberg about sex panics and the basically framing of Alex Morris, the incredibly progressive candidate who is challenging Richard Neal for Congress. And make sure if you're in the Massachusetts area, you vote for Alex Morris or you get the word out for Alex Morris. His race is very important. He's really great, really principled, really progressive. Again, that's at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Also, at the end of this episode, you'll hear um, me talking about Bodie, my parent's dog, who I bring on the camera. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Yeah. Y'all fired up? Oh, my God. That would have been so, so much better if they hadn't panned out to show the empty room and the weird Zoom clapping. Well, there are people there. Yeah, but there saw, are like right? three. Yeah, there are only yeah. a few people there, but it looks super weird. Yeah. Yeah. I got that NBA fan cam going. Uh, so does he, does he do this? Did he do this yesterday and Monday? I don't think Just he come came out at the end of the audience, right? I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, sounds the like typical, you said? the typical. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is just typical democratic, vapid, empty rhetoric. Right. Yeah. I also yeah. thought it was interesting that even now, like that she's bat like 2018 Kamala's main selling point was what a tough prosecutor she'd been. And like, even now she can't totally let go of that. There was that thing about like, you know, representing the people Kamala Harris, uh, like that she was still leading on the prosecutor thing a little bit. Like she, yeah, you know, like, like she doesn't talk about it the way that she used to, but like she can't stop, you know, bragging about having had that role. Even now that it's, not as yeah, even politically... now, even now that, exactly. Yeah, it's not politically uh, well, advantageous the way it used yeah. to I didn't hear, I don't know, did you guys hear a single no. policy in there that they're going to use to fight the pandemic or racism no. or police? I heard there was no vaccine for racism. 
But I right, there is no vaccine for racism. Right. The biggest, I think to sum up the DNC, it's like structural problems, symbolic solutions. Like they keep talking about systemic racism, structural racism, and then there's nothing about any systemic, systematic, substantive approaches. And the, 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 what kills me, the biggest thing that kills me is that saying that COVID disproportionately harms people of color, which it does, and then not embracing Medicare for all. Well, it's Medicare for all, and it's all the other things that contributed to people, you know, having to be essential workers and having right. more encounters with the virus. It's people who uh, are forced to, you know, use public transit. It's a whole ecosystem of... And then, of, you know, the way that capitalism has interacted with racism, but no plans to address that love and hope and thinking that America is great and that we're patriots is not going to fix that. And unfortunately, we're talking about two people on the ticket who throughout their careers, they haven't done anything systemic. You know, the things that she mentioned, for the most part, have been social policies. Um, and we are all familiar with Kamala's work and, and or lack thereof in not prosecuting one West Bank, Stephen Mnuchin's uh, bank, right. during that foreclosure crisis that she mentions. And now he's a Treasury Secretary. So Democrats take, you know, one step forward with the rhetoric. Okay, great. We can acknowledge the existence of systemic issues. And then two steps back because they don't do anything. And then there's Republican backlash or they maintain power that makes things even worse. So it's hard to, you know, right. really value the rhetoric alone. I guess the reason I, I, I picked, I mentioned, emphasize the Medicare for all stuff is just because it's such an accessible idea. You know, it's so, it, it's like, they just keep like, obviously all the things that you're saying, like are totally true about how they're, you know, all these intersections that you mentioned, it's just Medicare for all is like, a very concrete thing on the table. I mean, legalizing marijuana, obviously, too, for anyone who cares about criminal justice stuff, right, is another issue. But like, it just so you're just hammering home again and again, how disproportionately affected certain, you know, how racialized COVID is, like saying that again and again, and then not actually embracing the one policy that really aggressively attacks that or could mitigate it. It's just so craven to me. It's like, yeah, we're going to diagnose the problem and then not actually do the thing that could help it. Right. Neither of them are uh, committed to it. And as we all know, probably everyone who's watching this, Joe Biden said that he would veto it. Right. Just, you know, a few months ago when all of this emerged. So yeah, it, I, I don't know if they really anticipate bringing in more people than Joe Biden would have, or any Democratic nominee would have uh, brought in, or any establishment Democrat would have brought in, you know, by themselves. So I don't know how much any of this really matters. Like they're talking to, I think they're speaking to the choir, um, along with some conservatives that have now been added to the choir. So, <laughs> some defecting Republicans. 
but this message, you know, they're in Milwaukee. Is this message really reaching the people who are suffering disproportionately from COVID? There are more, there's a higher racial disparity for COVID in Wisconsin than any other state. They are experiencing top three income inequality in the country, Black people in Wisconsin. They're experiencing the highest Black male incarceration rate in Wisconsin for Black men. Black people are also experiencing the highest unemployment rate for working age Black men. So if we're not talking about, you know, if you go down from my reporting, going to the Midwest, and you ask them what kind of minimum wage they want, they're not talking about $15 minimum wage. We say we need $20, $25 is actually a living wage. So they're not talking concrete specifics for these people who have to be the postal workers, they have to be the nurses, and they have to be all these public facing entities, and we're not addressing their specific needs, they're not gonna come out and they're not going to be excited, period. And to be in a state which is really like the, the center point, along with Minnesota, arguably, but Wisconsin is the center point for those disparities that she's talking about related to COVID. And they aren't explicit about that and they're not explicit about what they're gonna do for those people. So, you know, it's, who cares? <laughs> who cares yeah. besides the people who already are gonna plan on going to brunch? On, on you know, November 4th, they're gonna be making their brunch plans once, you know, the, the country opens up in January. That's not who, you know, they need to be talking to. Are they phone banking in those communities? Are they building power in those communities? I don't see it. Are you still doing a lot of organizing on, I mean, the, on the ground? In, yeah, in New York City. Is that giving you uh, the hope that national politics doesn't? Yeah, yeah. So for people who may not know, I work in uh, I work with a social justice organization. I'm an organizer for Operation Power, people organizing and working for empowerment and respect. And our focus is local politics. So we know that the system was never was never designed for us. Never it was never designed for the working class. Uh, we talk about democracy in this country, and it was always designed for property men. And it continues to function in the same way, uh, property of rich white men to be specific. So for us, local organizing means finding ways to have power on the ground and having state power where we are. So city and state politics, because we can affect that more directly if you're a numerical minority. Um, and so we're actually having a teach-in this weekend where the topic is, you know, whether... There's this big battle about Democrats and Republicans, and we live in a capitalist system, so you're always going to have these cycles where someone's going to do great, someone's going to do not so great, because it's not up to Obama or Bush or Trump. It's up to the capitalists who run this country, and they can either uh, bring it to a screeching halt based on their own misdeeds, or it will be thriving for them in the stock market and their GDP. But it's never benefited the masses of American people. And so we're going to be talking about the fact that we need to be focused on the system of capitalism, the system of militarism, and all the rest is a distraction. Thinking about Trump and Biden and all that and Kamala and having that debate about how effective she's going to be, it doesn't matter. We're still going to, capitalism is not going to end because Kamala and Joe Biden are in power. The coronavirus is not going to give you know dividends to all these investors because Joe Biden and Kamala are in power. So we need to raise our class consciousness. So my focus is on raising the class consciousness of black people and ending capitalism. And what do you have to say about the Angela Davis kind of um, response to this election, which is that 
though she stayed out of the primary, uh, voting for Biden is voting for more space for anti-racism. I think that's, um, it's a possibility through certain positions and appointments that they would be able to think more about uh, defining the problem and articulating, you know, the issues with uh, racist capitalism, maybe. Uh, but if there is nobody committed to doing anything about the solutions, if we're not talking about baby bonds and again, like increasing the minimum wage or having a Green New Deal that can actually hire people, it doesn't matter. Fundamentally, it doesn't matter. And so if you look at just stats from 1968, I'm going to read off some of them right here, just thinking again about these systemic issues. In 1968, they're talking about the civil rights movement and the vision that they had. Well, okay, well, how much progress did we have since we had the right to vote? Black home ownership in 1968 was at 41.1%. In 2018, it was 41.2%. Black incarceration was 604 people per 100,000 people. In 2018, it was one, it was almost three times as much, 1,730 people. So 604 to 1730. From 1968, it increased three times in 2018. The black unemployment rate was 6.7% in 1968. In 2018, it was 7.5%. And you know, with COVID, it's gonna be remarkably more than that. So if we're not really getting at the nitty gritty of why this shit isn't working because we have capitalism, then we're gonna be in the same place. Malika, I, I didn't get a chance to introduce you because we were kind of mid-watching, but Malika, um, I did say she's a journalist, and uh, as you can tell, a, a nerd supreme, nerd superb, um, and also has done amazing work on um, Black voters in um, the Midwest and on kind of uh, um, the conflation of, of the terms working class and white working class. Um, so make sure that you check out her her piece on that, which is called The Color of um, Economic Anxiety and also her movie Left Behind. Out. Left Out. I always say, I'm sorry, Left Out. Left Behind is like the Christian, like fundamentalist evangelical thing. Sorry, Left Out, Left Out. Not to be confused with Left Behind, which is the Kirk Cameron vehicle. Left Out. Sorry oh, about that. Kirk has some... I forgot. I forgot. Oh, yeah. It's like the left. It's like, these, you know, this like Christian evangelical. Um, what's the thing? What's going to happen? It's called the, um, the, rapture. the rapture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So he hasn't had any re reason to be in the public eye since the rapture didn't happen. Right? I, yeah, I guess it's a pretty it's kind of a, it's an engaging film. I, I watched part of it. Um, but so, OK, yeah. Um. I, it's what's sad is that I don't know how old you guys are, but I remember being really I was I wasn't like ever that excited about Obama, but I definitely liked him more than Hillary. And I thought he I, I knew that people were expecting too much, but I thought he would do some good stuff. And then not so much. But I did cry both times. I was both really times. surprised. Both times. I was like really surprised I cried the second time that he he accepted it. So don't tell anybody. Y'all on YouTube, don't tell anyone, but I campaigned for him. Like we had Democrat, like young Democrats of, you know, Columbia Law School. Like we took a trip to Ohio to make sure that he won. Like that was a big swing state. Right. So we were there for like maybe three or four, maybe three days. Um, and so it was like huge that like he actually won, but I never submitted my absentee ballot. So all the work that we did on the ground, I never actually ended up voting. 
but it's I okay. just the people to vote. Um, yeah. yeah, and I was super excited in 2008. I cried. Yeah. Um, not shedding a tear now, though. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. So you guys, what? where are you guys in this conversation in terms of, like, the vote and... Um, I mean, the, the the big there's this this whole discourse of 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 non-voters or people who are not vowing to vote for Biden are are privileged. I see that going around a lot. I think um, that's that's silly. I mean, I, I think if you look especially at the statistics on non-voters, like that's really kind of the opposite of the truth. But um, you know, so and I also just don't think it's that useful anyway. To like, try to like badger people into not right. thinking something by talking about how privileged they are. But I, I do think that it's, it's worth, um, you know, I will, you know, so I, I live in a state that could go either way, right. I'll, I'll, I will vote for Biden and go home and throw up, you know, but uh, I mean, I, I think that the best it's, I think the best case for it is, is it, is that it's a defensive thing, you know, that like uh, that if, um, you know, that even though they're obviously both representatives of the ruling class and they're both going to continue, you know, capitalism, like Mike was talking about, uh, I think they represent different ruling class strategies. And I think that uh, Trump uh, is going to do things like continue to point people to the National Labor Relations Board who want to wipe out what's left of um, organized labor in the United States. Whereas, you know, Biden represents a ruling class strategy where, you know, certainly try to weaken them, you know, uh, unions in different ways, but isn't going to just try to crush what's left of collective bargaining in quite the same way. So uh, I wish you I wish you hadn't sat out the primary, but I guess I do agree with Angela Davis. Malika, you want to have the last word? This is the last, last word? or just No. I mean, yeah, well, people have been, I, uh, Ben may be wanting to, Ben may be tired because we've been at this for a while. You guys have been hanging yeah. out. Yeah, yeah I, I do have to chat in a minute, but, uh, but, but yeah, no, I, I would like yeah, to hear the, the perspective. Yeah. To me, it's a matter of getting shot in the head or getting a lethal in, or getting poisoned, you know, daily. So yes, one is violent and dramatic. At the same time, we are dying slowly either way. And at least with one, you see a gun in somebody's hand and you know it's coming, you know? Right. You know, we're not getting shot in the back of the head. Like we see it very clearly. And so maybe people will try and fight if they know it's coming. We hear all this stuff about holding these politicians accountable and making sure that we can push them left. Unfortunately, when we do have liberals in charge, there's always the concern about, well, the next election cycle, so midterms, and then it's going to be, well, they got to maintain power, so you can't go too far left, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. So, you know, I really don't know if we necessarily have the answer. I'm not going to, um, I, I decided not to tell people how to vote. I'm not publicly endorsing anything or anybody. I think that's, I mean, it makes, you can make a case either way. Yeah. Uh, but I also do want to want to caution people to just look at at history and look at how we have actually behaved under liberal presidencies and, and democratic control. And for the most part, we don't take it to the streets. We're not rallying. We're not pushing back. We're not fighting. Um, and I don't think Donald Trump is doing anything that 
Republicans have not been trying to do for the last, what, 50, 60 years. He's just, he makes people uncomfortable because he's honest about it. And he's he open takes the mask it. off, yeah. And so now people kind of have some ammunition to actually fight back. Uh, but when someone's poisoning your food, you can't taste it, you can't tell, and you're dying a slow death. Which one do we prefer? Yeah. But you know, it's, it's interesting because with that metaphor, I actually feel like a lot of this explains, I think, why a lot of people are voting for Biden or Will, because it's like, to use your metaphor, if, if they're not sure that they're dying, right? It's like, oh, maybe something feels kind of weird. I have some indigestion. Uh, yeah. But it gives them like more time to live just like not very comfortable, right? They're not very comfortably. They have some like antacid. Like, I just I just feel like that actually, I totally hear what you're saying. And, but, but I also think that it, that in a way is kind of like how it works. That's why it works. Because people would, for the most part, choose that over the shot in the head. Yeah. And you could even like, I mean, really run with the metaphor, right? Like you, you could say, look, if, if I'm being slowly poisoned, you know, then, then maybe, you know, like I keep on being slowly poisoned. That's one of my options. Like maybe that'll give me time to get an antidote, right? You know, so uh, like right. I can be, yeah, I can be exactly. safe, whereas if, right. if I'm shot in the head, I'll just be dead. Right. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't think we should like, I, I think that like, uh, all the stuff, like all the people who think that, like, um, who take the first part of what I said and said this, so we should like not talk bad about Biden or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Like, you can be, you can be honest about it, right? Like, you know, right. like you can be honest about who and what Biden is, and just like kind of take the approach that, like, you know, socialists and communists in France took when the runoff election was between. Jacques Schwach, who's a conservative, who everybody rightly hated, and Jean-Marie Le Pen, you know, who who was a neo-fascist, and 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 like people were doing things like going to the polls with like uh, clothespins on their noses, you know, and like you right. can, you know, like you don't have to pretend, like even if you you do agree with what I'm saying, like you don't have to pretend that Biden isn't terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what bothers me with uh, this moment is instead of people saying, yeah, I know I'm being slowly poisoned, but um, I'm going ahead with it anyway. People are like, they're the most progressive ticket ever. So that's my concern. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. right. Yes. That's what I guess. You know, like they don't know that they're being poisoned. They're saying, you know, just the opposite. This is like, these are four, this is three square meals. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's true, right. Because then they also lose all their cred. And it also changes, we're losing, if you say that you lose cred and you're also changing what the, the definition, right? To the, to the extent that anyone has any power, uh, like you're using your voice to actually change what, what it means to be progressive. Like what, why are you doing that? Just want Kamala could have just said problems exist. I'm not going to try and solve anything. I'm not that girl. Good night. Right. Look, we're trying to get Trump out. Y'all know where we at. Let's go. Right. But this is, you know, <laughs> like, don't fool me. Don't waste our time. Don't have us sitting here at 1130 still talking about y'all when you could have just said what you said, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> Trump, y'all already said that we could be a piece of shit. Y'all will vote for a piece of shit. You will walk barefoot in glass. You will vote for Hitler to get Trump out. So, yeah, right. we might do that. Um, right. we, it. we know you just don't want Trump. So come with our, come with the blue team. Good night, y'all.
The convention could have been one hour on Monday. We could have been free. One hour what? Sorry, I, I didn't one hear you. Hour on Monday. We're, we're just saying what? We're better than Trump? Yeah, we're, yeah, vote for- Not as bad as Trump? Right. Vote for the <laughs> shit sandwich? Yeah. Vote you for the ham sandwich? Shit, yeah. So- Yeah, yeah that would when their job is built back better. You're right. Yeah. Get rid of Trump better than build back better. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, thank you guys so much. Um, really appreciate your time. Malika, if you want to chat more, we can, but Ben, definitely. Thank you so much. Want to send you off to sleep or to, yeah. you know, uh, thank you again. And, and make sure you check out Ben. Walk the dog and you know, all that. Yeah. 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 Great. You have to send it, send us a uh, dog photo. Okay, we'll do. Thanks, Katie. Okay, Thanks, bye. So you've been slogging away at all of these, huh? Oh, Are my you? gosh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Tonight, last night, where are we? Tomorrow. So that, let's see. Yeah, this is the third night, and then the fourth night will be tomorrow. It's been uh, between Colin Powell and John Kasich and uh, the Whitmans, Meg and um, uh, Christine Todd. Yeah, isn't Cindy McCain supposed to be? Speaking? Oh, I think she's coming soon. Yeah, so it will be tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow's um, Cindy McCain and I guess um, and Biden, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who the other big players are. Maybe maybe they'll throw another Bush. Like maybe there'll be a George W. Yeah, um, Margaret Thatcher. Can they I know. I was thinking if they could bring Margaret Thatcher back from the dead or um, John Birch. Yeah. Some of those gems. Mm -hmm. Get all them um, liberals over yeah. here. Pinochet. I can't, at it. I can't wait. It's so bad, yeah. <laughs> it's really um, terrible. I kind of like Rihanna Joy Gray's position on this, which is, and I know that this is just like one aspect, but just because we're talking to DNC, I'm talking about the, you know, the election. And I know it's just one aspect, but like, I liked her piece um, in defense of litmus tests. And basically she's like, I would like to happily vote for Biden. I, I would like to happily, you know, pull the, pull the lever. I was gonna say pull the triggers, but pull the lever for him. I'm just asking for very basic things that make him more electable. Um, I don't know. I'm interested to see if they actually have any real commitments. I, you know, um, have anticipated that they're that they won't just given the tent yeah, right. that they're trying to um, expand to, and I and I think this is kind of a, a moment that we're going to kind of look back on history and say that this is like this could potentially be a political realignment. You have so many people who are so far right wing right now in the Republican Party. Like, is this going to be the thing that pushes for like an actual real progressive? Their party. I have no idea yeah. what you know the future will hold, but yeah. this need. You know, we're talking about democracy. How do you have democracy with these two parties, with these two corporate-backed parties? Joe Biden is is outrunning Trump right now. The number of billionaires backing him. Right. Kamala Harris has spent her campaign. She had more billionaires backing her than any other Democratic nominee, uh, any other Democratic candidate. Excuse me. So. When, how can we break free of that? You know, we cannot call this any kind of democracy or return to democracy if we do not right. get, get around that underlying problem. 
And what about like, this is just symbolic, but like even Trump considering, you know, pardoning, which of course he should, pardoning Snowden, and then Susan Rice saying, I just can't. This is what the GOP has become. It's like, what? What? Like that? Anyway, yeah, it's, uh, I know, I, I was talking about this with my friend and I was like, I just, there's no hope. Like we, there has to, I, I've never been that third party-ish because I'm like, look, we live in the two party system. I like the idea of it, but like for right now, what can we do? And I was just like, maybe we just do need to threaten it. Maybe there needs to be a big dem exit and it'll cause some pain, but like we have no leverage, none. And then my friend was like, well, what we really need is a, is a, a powerful labor movement, which I think is true. But I'm just like, that, that'll take, that's like a bigger goal in, in many ways. It's a more admirable and like, noble thing to do and it is the priority but also like maybe what is this there's like what's the stop gap like we should be doing that but that is going to take a, a while and maybe I don't, we can... I don't know if there's anything you can really do as a stop gap i think bernie sanders was the stop gap oh there was just so many powerful interests in stopping him we couldn't even have the stop gap i know the stop gap was stopped yeah so What's the next move? You know, right. so I, I think that's where where my uh, focus just goes again to local politics right. because you have to. It's it's a long it's a long term strategy. I think it's you know people are it's going to be rough for a while, um, but the long term strategy is people raise their class consciousness and you uh, kind of um weaken like the democratic party infrastructure at a local level where they do have more challengers and so in east new york yeah. where operation power is based we don't the democratic establishment doesn't hold the city council seat it doesn't hold the assembly seat doesn't hold the community board we took that we took that down you know so we're thinking of models like that for other major cities and i think that's going to have to happen on a local level right it's true yeah it's true we don't talk about that enough with like with ICE and how all these things can be very local and like, I mean, well, ICE is not local, but how all these things that can be done to, because of that, all these things that can be done at local levels, but since Trump can only be challenged so much, like on the, mostly through the courts. Um, yeah. Dick Cheney and Kissinger are speaking tomorrow. Now I, I would love that T fully take off the mask. Yeah, um, Bannon. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we were talking about him earlier. He's a smart. I mean, the thing is, I was, we were talking about with Thomas Frank. Have you ever been on a show with Thomas Frank or interview? You guys should be on the show together. It'd be really interesting. I'm gonna have both of you on together. Because okay. uh, you know, he wrote "What's the Matter with Kansas" and "Listen, Liberal." I know. Liberal. I know. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. Yeah. So you guys would have a really interesting. I mean, you, uh, Malika is is Atlantan, but uh, again, spent a lot of time working on. Uh, Look, doing research on the Midwest, so it would be like a fascinating conversation. But um, why did I just bring that up? What were you we just saying? Steve Bannon. Oh, yeah. He was saying how Steve Bannon had never run a campaign before and all the experts that ran Hillary's campaign, obviously she didn't win. But he, he, he like, you know, he's a, he's a very dark, he's a very sordid guy, but he's very smart and he gets certain things. He gets like the scary stuff that makes people tick. Wait, come here. I got to show you guys something. Look at this little girl. Aw. She She's like, why are you interrupting my playtime? I know. She's so cute. Bodie, say hi to Malika. You met her before. I know. She's a little we bat in her mouth. Friends. I know, right? Bodie, say hi. Bodie, say hi. Say hi back. 
I know. She's, She's so here. cute. Oh my God. Anyway, well, thank you. This was great. I'll be here again tomorrow night once more. Hey, Bob. Thank you. And Malika, where can people find your work? You can go to bit.ly uh, slash oh. left out 2020. So bit.ly slash left out 2020. Um, I'm a columnist for The Guardian. So that's where a lot of my writing is. And of course, on Twitter. At where you're just, Molly. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and come back. You're one of our my faves. You're the uh, the Midwestern stringer for the Katie Alper show. The Midwestern stringer. I'm just trying. I'm just pretending that that's as if I'm. I have you know people all over the country. Oh yeah, let me get let me check with my uh, Midwestern Midwest office. <laughs> I'm like a Diwali on the ground. The Midwest. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check in. No one says that. Checking in from the Walking. I know. Wisconsin and from the Northeast or the Southeast. Yeah. Yeah. I got a little Southeast beat too. Oh yeah, you do. Um, Right. You can, uh, I'm not really like saying it, saying it, but I'm doing a policing column, which I will announce like officially is actually going to, my first story is going to be based in Atlanta. So y'all where for, um, I'm not saying it yet. So it's not the guardian though. No, but I'm somewhere you already write. No. So you've never written there before? Nope. It's an existing thing. It's not like a like um like a like your own medium thing or your own um Patreon or Substack. Right. It's an existing outlet. Ooh. But I signed a contract to have my own monthly column. Wow. Watching the police. So we know it's not current affairs, it's not essence, it's not the guardian. Um it's not the intercept right yeah all right and it's not uh and, and oh well right but yeah oh my god Bodie, calm down malika also won an award for the, um yeah for the current affairs story so yes yeah, color of economic anxiety it's yeah. talking about what we're talking about now voter enthusiasm and the lack thereof yeah it's so the good the democrats need it most yeah yeah well okay so everyone check out malika thank you malika so much and ah we will see you tomorrow. We'll be here at um, probably around, I'll be here like uh, 8.45, maybe with some drinking games. Mm-hmm. And when does your column start? Next month. Huh? Okay, exciting. You'll have to break the news on, on the show. You'll have to tell us. The I exclusive. Got you. Uh, I got you. Yeah, okay. I can talk about, I'll talk about the story. Next yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Hopefully it'll be done by then. All right. Great. Hey. Bye. Night, Good night, everyone. Okay. Good night, guys. Bodie, say good night. Bodie, say I love you. Say I love you guys. I'm so happy to talk about politics with you guys. I'm really disturbed by how. Let's see. Look. Oh my God. Look at her. I'm just so disturbed by how the Dems are selling out but we live in a duopoly and I oppose that and I will fight and bark against that. But in the meantime, I just really have a, I just really have a harm reduction framework around this for me, for me personally, like in my heart, in my heart of hearts right here. That's how I see it. Oh my God. She's so cute. Right boo. She's so cute. Oh, she's making little snorty sounds. 
By the way, I'm really sorry. To, I want to give a shout out to Melba Pearson and Jen Perelman, um, both of whom lost their races, but were so good and really deserved to win. And it's a real shame that they didn't. And it's a shame that the media did not follow them. And there's a real problem with the media being a self-fulfilling prophecy and only following the candidates who are winning. It's kind of like with Emily's list, only giving money to candidates who have money. So I'll listen to a growl. Bodie, you got the mic. <laughs> Bodie. Both. Sing. <laughs> All right. She's a Las Opta, by the way. All right. So, yeah. Oh, tomorrow night I'm going to be playing. Matt Taibbi and I are going to be here, and we're going to be playing his drinking game. Okay? Put a link in. The- Thanks so much for listening to The Katie Helper Show. Please rate and review The Katie Helper Show if you like the show. And support the show at patreon.com slash Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash Show For as little as $1 a month, you're just supporting this show. The $5 a month level, you get all of these great Patreon-only episodes. And for this week, that includes Jimmy Dore on spirituality and getting very mad at me. Also, the episode from last week was really great, and it's a chat with Liza Featherstone and Greg Goldberg about sex panics and the basically framing of Alex Morris, the incredibly progressive candidate who is challenging Richard Neal for Congress. And make sure if you're in the Massachusetts area, you vote for Alex Morris or you get the word out for Alex Morris. His race is very important. He's really great, really principled, really progressive. Again, that's at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show.